All right, but we have had a Supreme Court that has acted in quite the constitutional fashion here of late, including on the religious liberty case that broke during the show yesterday that we were talking about. And here to discuss this in greater detail is Attorney Andrew Shirkaski. Andrew, thank you for taking the time with us. Yeah, good morning. Great to be here. All right, so, you know, the, the first thing in, in this particular um, you know, realm that comes to mind is is ultimately the narrative of separation of church and state. It's long been a saying, but has it ever been implicit within the Establishment Clause in the Constitution? Give us a little bit of an idea about how the Establishment Clause was used here by the Supreme Court in saying that, in, indeed, the school was wrong for firing this football coach for a personal prayer. Well, the issue here is whether the uh, coach had a right to have kind of that personal moment of reflection during a school event or just after a school event, the, the football game. And what the court looked at here is whether the teacher was infringing on the rights of students, pushing an agenda on them or pushing the religion on them. And they said that he absolutely ha- had not done that and that a teacher also has a right to exercise their right to uh, practice their religion. It's not just about making sure that the kids uh, don't see any religion. It's about having an attitude of inclusion and respect, not about censorship. That's what the uh, conservative justices focused in on. It's not about censorship. It's about having a wide range of religions that are encouraged and that are accepted throughout a public environment like a school. Yeah, and Andrew, to your point, uh, they made a a point of suggesting that the school is actually seeking out the opportunity to to try to, you know, identify where there might be that that personal religious moment, and and that in and of itself was uh, you know against the establishment clause. Exactly, you know, the school here took a very kind of. Uh, strong effort. They they tried to stop him from doing this uh, without any sort of court inve- intervention. It wasn't as though parents or students had sued to stop this practice. The school just fired him because he he wouldn't stop uh, doing this private prayer after the, the games ended. And you compare this to what we're seeing in schools uh, all over the country, where there are very specific agendas that are being pushed. Uh, generally speaking, kind of these liberal left-wing ideas about uh, all sorts of issues whether it's uh, race or whether it's uh, transgender issues. So teachers are pushing agendas in the classroom. This, the Supreme Court said, was not a teacher pushing an agenda. This is a teacher having a private moment, and he should be allowed to do that. That's what they came back with. So, Andrew, I want to kind of go there next. And actually, the classroom is a really good place to, to have that particular conversation related to you had back in 64 the Supreme Court rule that, you know, ultimately religion in the classroom a no-go. And by and large across this country, because education had been handled at the school district and, and school level, um, you really didn't see a uniform standard that was brought about after that Supreme Court ruling. Then you have the incarnation, Department of Education, 1980. And as the Department of Education federalized uh, aspects of public education saw to it that God was removed from the classroom. And now that we have this ruling, now that this conversation has opened up, one, might we revisit, as we're talking about revisiting uh, cases of times gone by, that 64 Supreme Court ruling. And secondarily, you know, is there a, a wider tentacle into independent that that previous Supreme Court ruling 
um, in, into other aspects of our lives, including the classroom, where in, indeed we are entitled to maybe a little bit more religious liberty than has been granted in recent years. I think that this is a relatively limited case in its uh, ruling about whether this is going to see more religion in the classroom. This really is about a teacher's uh, personal religious practice and them being allowed to do that during school hours. Uh, what you compare this to, you know, you've got teachers of all sorts of different faiths that may have different moments that they may need to take throughout the day. I think the really important takeaway is that teachers are individuals and they can have uh, their religious beliefs. They don't have to check that at the door. We do, do have to be careful, and I think the Supreme Court said it well in their decision yesterday. You have to be careful that you're not isolating students or making them feel uh, uncomfortable by forcing them to engage in one teacher's prayer or one teacher's religious faith when that student may have a different religious faith. But as the Supreme Court said, it's about respect and tolerance, not about censorship. And that's what was going on in Bremerton. This was a censorship issue of the teacher's right, as opposed to teaching students about the idea of inclusion and respect. All right. That is well said and appreciate the analysis. Thank you very much, Andrew. Of course. Have a great day. You as well. Andrew Shikansky. And, uh, you know, we're going to have more on this particular part of the conversation with my top three takeaways, again, coming up an hour from now. If you've heard me talk about the Establishment Clause before, in the grand scheme of constitutional bastardization, of which it is significant in, in many aspects of our society, it's been this one, which has been my greatest frustration historically. One, because, I mean, look, our First Amendment is the first for a reason. It is paramount. And there has been an active attack on our First Amendment rights by bastardizing the Establishment Clause. If I could impart one message above all else, and I would encourage you, where you come across others who advance this, to educate them. There is no such thing as separation of church and state. There has never in this country's history been a separation of church and state. In fact, the Establishment Clause of the United States Constitution guaranteed that would not be the case. What there cannot be is an established state religion. And the context, of course, the very specific context with which that was advanced within the Establishment Clause of the First Amendment of the United States Constitution had to do with the ancestors of our founders, by and large. People who were escaping religious persecution, largely in England. People who did not want to be subjected to the Church of England. So the Establishment Clause, ironically, is all about religious liberty. That's what it's about. Is your freedom for the religion of your choice and for the government to be impartial as to what that religion specifically is, but not to separate anything to do with government, not to separate you anytime you're around anything that has to do with the government from it. That was always a farce. It's an atheistic lie. And so what should be dead along with the Supreme Court ruling, and I hope we get subsequent action to back this up, is the sane separation of church and state.
It's false. Always has been. You're listening to the Brian Mudd Show, News Radio 610, WIOD. This is 